Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. You're listening to Yellow Wall Podcast. Sancho and trying to put a back voice and Alcacer. Well, there's the perfect reply. Here's Witzel right across the face of goal and Sancho Dortmund in the lead. Schwartz for Sancho and Kubek gets another mistake. Rise, perfect. Jaden Sancho and Alcacer gets another one. Witzel and Brandt. That's the way to do it. Hello and welcome to episode 287 of The Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and this week we will talk about Dortmund's 5-1 trouncing of FC Augsburg and the Friday night game that is ahead in Cologne with uh, FC.com's Arne Steinberg. I'm looking forward to that. And to discuss all that and more, join me once again, Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? Hello, Stefan. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very fine myself. Um, I've got a couple of announcements to make, but uh, more on that later. Also here, Konstantin Egner. Hello, Konstantin. How are you? Hello, Stefan. And this episode, and that's a, a new thing now, is sponsored by uh, the official Borussia Dortmund fan club of Atlanta. And I am pleased to say that they get together for every match at the Rira Irish Pub in Atlanta. And if you want to find them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram... Use the handle at echte underscore ATL Liebe. <laughs> so it says ATL and then Liebe, um, which is very clever. And we have one anonymous sponsor who wants his or her name not mentioned. However, he or she asks, how's it going with your PhD, Constantine? <laughs> What? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, it's going... It's going well, considering that I will submit uh, very soonish, and I'm also taking on uh, a new job in October. So, and that's that's very interesting. Uh, what what's your PhD about? Asylum policy in G in Germany, West Germany, in Europe, in the past 30 years. Very interesting. Also, sponsors of this episode are Dave Hackerson, Danny Daly, George Clark, Alex, Jakob von Bila. Abdullah Al-Arisi, William Boyko, Daniel Kling, and Taylor Martin. Thank you to everyone out there. And uh, one personal announcement, more or less. Um, as some of you may know, I moved last December permanently to Philadelphia to live here with my wife. And uh, that means I no longer get to cover the Dortmund games from Dortmund and At the same time, ESPN have massively reduced their Bundesliga coverage, which means I also don't get to write as much for them anymore. I'm not officially let go yet, but uh, it, it's it's more or less the same. So what I've done is I've launched theyellowwall.net, which is basically the same site as yellowwallpod.com. But all the content I write there for this site will be behind the yellow paywall and... Uh, I don't really want to do this, <laughs> but um, financially it's necessary for me to do because I still have to pay rent in Germany while I'm waiting for my green card application here in the United States. And because, uh, you know, the bills need to be pay paid, I have decided to um, yeah put $1 a month on, on that subscription and it works the following If you go on the website and you want to read an article, you can log in via Patreon. And if you click on it, 
you will be led to patreon.com and you can sign up and pay your one dollar in any way or form and then you take your patreon account login back to the wordpress and log in with that and then you have access to all the articles on our website um i hope you like how i write and what i cover if not or if you have any suggestions feedback or want special things to be translated you can always uh, message me on twitter at stefan Butzko. so that's uh The, the new announcement, I'm uh, grateful for all the support we already have. We have already uh, broken the $200 mark on our Patreon, which is uh, amazing. So thank you very much for that. And I'm hoping for more to come. So um, please support our writing. And I hope it helps a little bit to re-educate the people out there uh, that journalism needs to be paid for. That's just not the, the yellow wall, but in general, I feel like there's a, a lack of uh, readiness for people you know, giving money to their local paper or whatnot. There are a lot of newsrooms that have closed down in the last decade, and that's not a very good development, especially in the age of information warfare. I think journalism needs to, uh, yeah, be way better funded, and that, uh, yeah, also has to happen in, in society, the re-education that after basically all the content being free available on the internet and that can't go any further anyway uh that's all from me matthias do you have anything else to say uh about the downfall of western society and the corruption of <laughs> no um <laughs> uh, no on that i think um you know it's a it's a buck a month i think the athletic is significantly more uh but obviously this is purely focused on borussia dortmund i plan on adding some things too that are less Uh, I'm not going to say less current, because that sounds stupid. Uh, but uh, since I'm the old man of the yellow wall, uh, I think we've established that a long time ago. Uh, a lot of it will be a little bit more historical, tradition, cultural focused. Um, so hopefully, I'll, depending on my time frame today, be able to get something put together there as well. Yes, and if you want to be a sponsor like uh, the official Atlanta Borussia Dortmund fan club, uh, We have that tier too as well on patreon.com and if you pledge us 10 bucks, you'll be sponsored or rather you sponsor us <laughs> and an episode. So there you go. Also, um, and now we can actually go toward the 40, a shout out to off the woodwork for winning the first match day of the Bundesliga Fantasy League. Uh, our league is called yellowwallpod.com on the uh, official Bundesliga Fantasy thing and uh, the person behind that account is on for candlelight dinner with Lars so that's very exciting and of course even more exciting is that Borussia Dortmund themselves are top of the league after the very first match day um, and I think if you look at the stats we can say there was a very dominant 5-1 win Dortmund had about 78% possession 92% passing accuracy had seven, uh, uh, 22 to 5 shots so um, very impressive Constantine, um, why should we uh, regard this result with care, however? Should we? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it's obvious that Augsburg is among the worst teams in the league. I think Union Berlin, Augsburg are early favorites for being relegated. So there's that. Yeah. Um, Martin Schmidt is my number one pick to be fired first as the bonus year could be yeah could be could be yeah that's that's probably a good call um so yeah i mean a five five one 
uh, win over Augsburg doesn't mean that uh, from now on uh, in the up in the upcoming months Dortmund will just steamroll every other team. That's obviously not true, but still, um, I mean, after having like the usual bad first minute of season, then uh, it looked quite <laughs> quite it looked quite well uh, what Dortmund did against. Uh, Far too passive uh, Augsburg side defending uh, very narrow. So Dortmund used uh, both wings quite well, um, which is something they should have done, and they did. So uh, that's a plus. Or I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm thankful that it was that it was a decisive win going into the season uh, because I think um, because of how the Bohr or how Watzke and you know talk um, people in charge, how they basically positioned Dortmund as a as a major contender for the title in the past few weeks. I think there was there was much more pressure on the team than maybe last season or in, in, at the beginning of last season. Yes, if I may ask about that, you were on the Alpha Ohren podcast, yes. which is a very great Borussia Dortmund podcast from Schwarzgelb.de, the uh, German fan scene. And uh, there you have uh, basically criticized the decision to be that uh, offensive publicly about uh, yes. the title ambitions. Well, for two reasons, uh, actually. I think uh, you un you put unnecessarily additional pressure on the team. Uh, also on Farfer, who just um, thrives better under... Um, less pressures condition less pressuring conditions let's put it that way i think he he looked quite nervous uh going into the first match against augsburg um there's that i don't, I don't <laughs> he always looks nervous though. no he looked, he, looked, he looked more nervous more nervous than usual um, all right or maybe not i don't know uh <laughs> just just my my limited body language we uh, ex, uh skills uh reading body language it's your own confirmation bias constantine yes, that's, that's what also it is. Um, I'm always right, so I'm right there as well. Uh, no, just kidding aside. I also think, I also f think that sometimes uh, speaking less, especially in in uh, today's football environment, uh, would help um, and would also like make you seem as a team or as a club uh, seem, I don't know, more sympathetic. And also, but also, if you at the end win, you just did your job i mean that that the uh, team like or a club like dortmund goes into a season you know thinking about or at least uh thinking about winning a championship with, with a team like they have now um is nothing surprising so but you don't have to make these huge announcements sometimes those who don't speak or who speak less are the more dangerous uh athletes or teams um and that's why i sometimes wish that Watzke and the likes uh, would just talk less. Um, also, <laughs> sometimes I don't think they work. Uh, they, they look really sympathetic because uh, at the end the team wins these matches. Uh, but usually, though, those who talk the big game are those sitting in this, uh, you know, in the in um, somewhere up there in the stands uh, on heated heated seats, of course. Um, so. <laughs> I don't know I don't why think they heat it. <laughs> right, yeah, they they aren't. In other stadiums they are in Dortmund they aren't, but you 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 get my drift. Um it's just I don't know why I don't know why they have to talk a big game. Um after all, if if some of the players want to talk a big game after winning, I don't know, ten in a row or so, 
uh, all power to them, but usually they don't. Um, even leaders like Marco Reus or Mats Hummels didn't look, uh, didn't talk as much of a big game as Watzke and Zork, and I don't know why they have to. Um, after all, they they don't they aren't on the pitch. They just collect the money and try to make the best signings uh, they can. Um, so maybe you know be a little bit more cautious sometimes would help, I guess. Matthias, do you have a contrary opinion? Um, well, I mean, I know Dortmund got criticized last season for when they were even leading the league to never talk about the Meisterschaft. Um, and Akivatska said that he considers it a mistake to not have said, yes, we want to be champions uh, at that given yeah, time. Yeah, but then they were already nine points in yeah. the lead or whatnot. Do you think they're uh, overcompensating now for that mistake? I don't think so. I think given the signings that they've made, that already shows the intent. I mean, the intent is there. They invested heavily in the squad. Uh, they added depth and quality, clear depth and quality, and bringing someone back like Matsumas, they're not bringing him back to finish third or fourth or ideally even second. So the am title ambitions are already stated without having to say it. So they just decided to take that next step and actually come out and say it. I have, I personally have no issue with it because, you know, I mean, God knows Bayon never freaking shut up about anything. So <laughs> to just say, yeah, we want to be champions. Of course we do. You know, you play to win the game. Uh, one very famous Herm Edwards quote. And why not? Say, we invest in the squad. We brought in Schulz, Hummels, Brandt, and Azad to win the Bundesliga, not to ch qualify for the Champions League. That's a given at this point. So why not state it? I don't really have an issue with it. If they would have come out and said, oh, tsh, we're going to blow everybody away, Bayern sucks, you know, Schalke would be lucky if they don't get relegated. That's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a little bit too much. But to say, to basically state what's inferred through your actions anyway... I have no issue with that. And if the players feel that that's too much pressure, if Lucien Favre feels that's too much pressure, then he's not the right manager and they're not the right players. All right, all right. So um, back to what happened on the field. And uh, if Fuscourt are to be believed, uh, they have these action zones between the home third, middle third, and away third. And uh, what I find quite tellingly about this uh, whole game is that in the home third, only 14% of the action happened. That really sort of shows, you know, the other 86% obviously in the, in the middle and the away third. I think even 44% in the away third. So, um, that really shows how dominant Dortmund was and how one-sided this game was. And, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what I've uh, called <laughs> Hutzelwey, uh, the, the axis of Hummels, Weigel and Witzel, who, um, had 352 out of the 886 passes that Dortmund played, which is about 40% of, of the total passes that Dortmund played, which is a lot. So, um, Constantine, I think we saw quite well in, in this game already and in games before too, but I, th I thought this game was the first time we re really saw it at work that against teams like Augsburg, who want to press at first, um, there's just uh, basically... Let's call it this way. Resistance is futile, right? Sure. I mean, that's. I think. I think Augsburg, uh, as far as as the quality of an opponent and the quality of pressing they applied goes, uh, it was quite a, a perfect opponent for the first match day. 
uh, when all things aren't working as smoothly as they will in a couple of, of weeks or months. Uh, because Augsburg, uh, uh, as opposed to a few years ago, um, you know, the, the wine seal, <laughs> the wine seal years aren't as sophisticated, uh, in terms of pressing anymore. Um, they, but still they try to sometimes, uh, you know, apply a high press and then, but, um, we tweet very, very quickly actually after, after a, f- a couple of seconds or a few seconds, uh, which it didn't do, um, a couple of years ago, uh, but they do now, um, because they backtracked a lot and then, uh, f- f- um, you know, at these tight 442, uh, defense system um which was also quite narrow which i already mentioned that's why sancho um and and Hassan were so crucial for Dortmund's success because they they got space and then got into these one on one on two situations often enough uh but i think yeah it was it was a qu- quite a test quite a perfect test for uh the back line and Hummels and, and the center midfielders you know, to try things out, to feel more comfortable in terms of possession, to break some of these pressing lines down and then move on. Because we will talk about Cologne. Cologne is a different kind of animal when it comes to pressing, um, but also quite has, like a quite similar system compared to um, Augsburg. So, um, as I said, perfect test, actually. Um, um, uh, under average, uh, below average opponent. Uh, with a system similar to what many um, Bundesliga teams are playing these days. Yeah, Matthias, I think with the role that Julian Weigel plays now, that really allows Witzel even more to thrive because Witzel don't, doesn't have to do all the footballing build-up things himself anymore, like when he plays together with Thomas Delaney and... Uh, if both these players are pressed or, or win the ball in midfield and don't have anywhere forward to pass, they can just lay it back for Hummels, who then just pumps it forward, for example. I, I think that's a very um, efficient thing, and I basically wrote about it in, in, in the terms of 2016 when Hummels, Gunnohan and, and uh, Mkhitaryan left, and that sort of left a whole of, of world-classness. <laughs> doesn't exist at work but doesn't matter people know what i'm getting at uh, in in dortmund's midfield and, and that whole core basically and i feel like now for the first time michel Zorc has managed to replicate that sort of core that you can then can build on and and the rest of the team the more talented or not more talented but the uh, highly talented attackers up front can can thrive off um how would you describe julian weigel's transformation now and uh once you answered that question, also multiple listeners have asked us to discuss what that situation means for Thomas Delaney. Well, um, I think, I mean, obviously it's taken Weigel about a season to understand that transformation from a single pivot to a double pivot. Because uh, when he played in the double pivot last season, it was uh, scary at times. <laughs> I think that's putting it mildly, and he seemed more comfortable when he was in the back line, even though he's not a central defender, just because he was further back. I feel like, given the staggered approach uh, and staggered positioning that they've implemented between Witze and Weigel and and also kind of swapping that a little bit, it makes him more comfortable. He understands it more. I think Favre understands what Weigel brings to the table more now, and um, so I'm, 
cautiously optimistic. Uh, you know, when he when it was in the Super Cup, I was a little worried. You know, how's it going to match up speed wise? Uh, because you know, Vincent and Weigel aren't necessarily speed demons. Not to say that Thomas Delaney is, but I feel like he's got a little bit more of a motor uh, than than the other two, specifically Julian Weigel. But it, same but with they're Hummels, yes. same with Hummels, but with their pressing, well, Hummels has the advantage that he's further back, so that kind of makes up for that. But the his the pressing resistance you have of both of them, and it just seems like it's so rare that they get the ball taken off of them due to pressing or or misplace a pass. It does happen, but it's rare. Delaney does it more often, um, but I think that that bodes well and it's something that we talked about last season a lot of there's just not not enough creativity i don't really think it spells doom for thomas delaney uh to be honest i think he still has a place he still fills a role uh especially in those moments when it's starting to get a little physical because julian weigel is not a physical player and i still maintain occasionally you need someone out there who'll just kick someone or who doesn't mind getting kicked in that sense and it really doesn't a uh, change change his outlook. Uh, I think Delaney uh, does really well in that. I I'm personally and no, this is not my typical Dahoot bashing, but I I would be more concerned if I was uh, Mo Dahoot in terms of where do I fit now into this because now he's even further back in the pecking order, in my opinion. Because if you really want to then have to take Weigel out or Witzel out for whatever reason, but you still want creativity. It's, in my opinion, smarter to put in Julian Brandt in that position or even drop Götze back versus putting, putting Dahoud in there. Um, so that's kind of my take on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Konstantin, uh, if you want to rattle through the uh, new signings and how they fared, Hazard, Brandt, Hummels, um, Nico Schulz, of course, how, how did you like each one? Um, so, starting at the back, I feel Hummels did okay. Was you know there were no no obvious mistakes or something like that. Also looked comfortable in terms of passing. That's all right. Um, Schulz, <laughs> I mean, I love how how Dortmund signed a world class passing you know center back, and you're like, all right, it's, yeah, okay. well, that's that's expected. So I, <laughs> I know, but still, like, yeah, you could well, be maybe a bit more excited about no, that. Fact no, no, that no, no, back. no, 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 unnecessary praise for the big man. So uh, <laughs> he didn't get booed. That's that's uh, that's good for that's him. That's a plus. Yeah, yeah. A and he finished the game as team captain. So that shows you what and, and also, he and already also has in the team. And also, you finished the uh, the match not injured. That's also a plus. <laughs> when it yeah, comes continue. to Hummels, you know. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, so then Nico Schulz. Yeah, as, as I already mentioned, um, Sancho, Hassel, also Schulz. They had quite uh, quite a match because uh, Augsburg's formation was so narrow when they when they backtracked and then you know were sitting deep. Um, and so I, I think I think Augsburg's left side with Peterson and Vargas was was doing. Better than Augsburg's right side with uh, Tiger and Hahn. Um, I so, agree. what? I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, so Schulz, um, yeah, he had a lot of or a couple of situations where he just, you know, picked up speed and uh, did something on the left side. Um, also, did 
did quite well for himself when it came to one one two combinations and stuff like that. So it's not only that he's a runner, but also he uh, can play ball. Um, and also um, prior to the um, to the second goal, right uh, when when Witzel uh, came through the left side, it was also also quite funny because uh, Witzel was defended by uh, Gregorich, and Gregorich just expected um, from from Witzel to lay off the ball to to Schultz, but he didn't, and after all, that's why Gregorich stopped defending for 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 a moment, and Witzel was through, and then uh, played a beautiful cross pass to uh, Sancho. Um, so there's also some Schultz involvement in a goal, although he wasn't really involved. So not really touching the ball, but still, um, because there was, you know, it was expected f- uh, from Dortmund to give the ball to Schultz and then him, you know, playing a high cross, um, because that's what he does usually. So yeah, that's what, there was a, a also a good performance by, by Schultz. Uh, same goes for Hassar, I think, um, of course, not as spectacular as Sancho, but quite effective when he's he's in one on one on one situations or even one on two situations uh, a couple of times. So I think, as I said, not, not as spectacular, but um, quite effective and, and no nonsense uh, winger actually, which is which is I think something uh, Fafer likes a lot, um, and also defensively because you know looking at the first uh, or at Augsburg's goal, I mean Sancho. He was caught on the wrong foot uh, when Peterson just, <laughs> you know, just bumped down the left side or uh, Dortmund's right side, and Sancho was just nowhere else to be uh, to be found in the picture. Or he was just, you know, he 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 just looked at the ball, um, and then Peterson received the pass on the left side. Um, the, the, does Jaden Sancho have a driver's license yet? I mean, you have to ask for Dortmund players because there was no over-the-shoulder look this time. Oh jeez. So um, going, moving, moving, uh, moving forward. Uh, no, but but as for Hassan, I think defensively he's, he's much more reliable compared to Sancho. I mean, Sancho is more spectacular. He can take on three three opponents at the same time and just looking at the at the, at the equalizer, uh, but at the equalizing goal. But you know, Hassan in terms of defending is just much more reliable, and that's also something you have to take into um, account. So and the fourth player is Yuan Prunt. I mean, he got he got on the pitch after 68 minutes. Of course, beautiful uh, goal, just crisp technique, um, but w- something you would expect from him. Um, so yeah, I think we have to wait to see the the actual. Yeah, Prunt I can't magic. say much about that. That yes, was just yes, garbage. Yes. And time. also, also, yeah, it was garbage time. I mean, it was Dortmund was leading by three. He comes on just to you know get 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 his feather, but uh, get his feet a bit uh, wet <laughs> you know what i want to say so yeah that there was an okay performance i don't know i don't know much to say i think uh two tests will no, come when, right. when when he's a starter uh at, as a number 10 or maybe on the left side or whatever i mean it's also it's also quite interesting or will be quite interesting to to see how um you know farfax squeezes one of one of his best players into the formation uh, when actually everything is working quite well. So I don't know, maybe they will start with 12 or so and nobody will notice because, I don't know, Hazard is small or something. Yeah, um, one note on Torgan Hazard that I really liked and even though it didn't come off yet, but is that I think he and Schulz both had like at least four, maybe more um, instances where they made the run all the way to the goal line and then cut it back. 
Um, Dortmund, I think, also had a very good distribution of other attacking players in the box, but somehow Hazard always managed to pick out the space where either an Augsburg player was or not Dortmund player, um, which I think will only improve in the future, but it's already very good to see that um, one of the very clear uh, schemes that Favre wants to see uh, is is working out already minus the connection, the final connection in the box, but um, Dortmund are regularly managing to to get in that position um, with either Sancho and Hazard, and that I think is very encouraging. Um, that was number one, and of course, um, it's it's just great to see Paco Alcacer being uh, fully fit and can run for 90 minutes. I I know we have mentioned that in the in the previous. Uh, episodes as well but uh, once again a, a brace and I think uh, he got an assist as well for uh, Marco Royce so yeah superb game Matthias uh, anything you want to add on this game oh it was a very good way to start the season um, obviously aside from how the first Bayern 30 play? seconds but how did Bayern play Bayern yeah. uh, didn't win um, oh, how come and what, what happened I, well, obviously, they got screwed. I mean, if you just look at how many times their players complained about literally every call that goes against them, they they were clearly uh, screwed. No, um, I, you know, they, they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. I mean, I think they were the better side than Hatta, but they weren't as efficient as Hatta. Uh, Hatta obviously got lucky also with that uh, first goal that they scored, but... Hey, you know, it, what goes around comes around uh, with Bayern. And now Bayern are going to win the title because they added Ivan Perisic and Felipe Coutinho. Yeah, uh, Jürgen Klopp, I think, said it's good for the Bundesliga, but bad for Dortmund. Sums it up quite nicely. Um, Konstantin, quickly, before we move on. I'm being facetious, by the way. I know, I know. But but still, I, I think we, we, we should... Give, give some credence to Bayern. I think continue is a is a good transfer. Um, how do you see or where do you see him slot in? Is is uh, Thomas Müller going to retire now, or how do you think Kovac will utilize uh, Philippe Coutinho? I think uh, he will be slotted into the number ten role. Um, just I don't really s see him. I mean, occasionally he could play on the left side. Uh, you know. Um, replacing Coman, but uh, they also signed Parishits, so I think Parishits will be the third winger, um, basically the backup for uh, both um, Napri and and Coman. Also, Alfonso Davis can play on the left side as a left winger, um, and he's quite a talent, so yeah, I, I, I see continue playing as a as a number 10, and um, is he occupying, or as a number 8, occupying the Number eight is like an advanced midfielder on, 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 in his case, on the left side, left half space, um, which would also work in a 4 3 3 with um, Thiago deep lying and Goretzka on the, on the right and, and Coutinho on the left, a little bit advanced. Um, but more often than not, I think he will play as a number 10, although I have to say that Kovac and uh, um, second part of the last se of last season he played also a 4-2-3-1 with uh, Müller on uh, in number 10 um which was you know when you look closely it was more like Müller was a, was a secondary striker uh, which fits his you know his skill set 
quite well because he's not like a playmaking number 10. I think Muller actually started out as a false nine under Van Gaal, if I'm not mistaken. He started out as a, yeah, as a number, uh, as a full, as a number nine, basically, under Van Gaal. He played as a right winger for the German national team. We remember the World Cup 2010. Um, so yeah, he's, but, but I, I also remember vividly, uh, during the 2010 World Cup that, uh, when, when I think, I know who it was, maybe, I think Jens Lehmann, uh, when he was asked about, you know, uh, Müller's skill set, basically, um, and, you know, it was, because it was quite hard to really describe what, what makes him so special, um, because he, of course, back then he was special, um, and I, f- I think what he, what he, um, what uh, Lehmann back then said, he uh, said, uh, Müller is not fast. He's more like a Schleicher, a lurker, you know, he was lurking around and you know, getting behind, in, in behind and then uh, if, uh, appearing out of nowhere and picking up or receiving a pass and scoring something like that. And it's the same with when he's playing as a number 10, he makes uh, like these sneaky kind of decisive passes, but also he's not really a playmaker um, and more like a secondary striker who's you know, going into the box a lot. Um, Coutinho isn't. Coutinho doesn't have the physical uh, presence to go into the box a lot and be you know, a factor there. And also he likes, no, no, uh, correct me. He, he loves to shoot from range. Um, as Dortmund found out in that game against Liverpool <laughs> where they lost yeah. for the three. Back in the day. Uh, yes. yes, yes. Uh, I mean, he loves to shoot from range. Um, but I, I wrote an article it's in German, so it doesn't really matter for, for the audience, but, but I wrote an article about him. And, and what you have to remember is then when he started out, continue, um, when he started out is that he came more from, I mean, he came from traditional Brazilian football, but also he has a futsal background and he, needed some time to really get used to like high level professional football where there's uh, where, where the, the field is large of course you know and where where passes are longer and where everything is a little bit larger and longer and 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 he needed time and now um, still to this day you know he doesn't really have the um the speed um for like 30 40 yard dashes and he also doesn't really i don't know if he doesn't have the stamina but what Bayern fans have get used to it that he doesn't want a lot, and it will look quite interestingly he him next to Lewandowski who is so intense in terms of pressing when Coutinho is not. Um, that's why also I, fu- I found it so f- interesting that he um, did so well under Klopp when he wasn't really a Klopp type of player, but still, and Klopp to this day uh, just wants him back, but will never happen, of course, uh, probably. So yeah, um, unless he, he joins Bayern, um. <laughs> sure, that, but, that will also never happen, and we will never talk about the possibility of club joining Bayern ever again. Okay, good. On to the so, next topic. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah, we 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 should move on because we have Anna waiting. Um, but there's one question that I want to answer really quick. And it's from Jason Hahn. He asked, um, with regards to the changes the ultra um, uh, the ultras are making to their distribution of Zutribune, why are they convinced that the atmosphere is in decline? Um, I can only talk about the last season because I've not been in the stadium uh, last weekend, obviously. But um, I think there has been a quite a steady decline in in uh, the atmosphere of the yellow wall um, for for years now. I think it's it's just because the the ultra section is such a concentrated, let's say, atmosphere cave, if you want, that all the uh, 
noise carpet throughout the game comes from that very concentrated section right behind the goal, right? And the rest of the stand um, isn't always animated to join in because they sort of sing their own songs and uh, it's it's not uh, for everyone to join in. And I think it's a very good idea um, for Ultras to spread around a little so there's more instigation elsewhere. Um, because I think a lot of Dortmund fans on the yellow wall sometimes just get com com complacent as they just want to stand there and watch the game and uh, not chant. And uh, usually it also just works better when when uh, they um, yeah just have the very basic chance. I'm not saying the atmosphere is terrible in Dortmund because that's obviously not the case. But um, if you're there each week, um, week in and week out, you can definitely, you know, distinct between a very good Dortmund atmosphere and a mediocre atmosphere, which, you know, in, in terms of world football is still amazing, but, uh, you know, you obviously want it always to be best. So I, I think it, it's a good measure for, for the ultras to spread around a little, um, because I personally, I'm not a fan of having this very concentrated block right behind the goal and then everyone else sort of, you know, standing there not doing anything i i think uh it's it's better for for these guys to spread around i don't know if that's a permanent thing or not but uh anyway good good question to ask i hope i could help a little bit uh to describe how the yellow wall is uh set up obviously uh you can spend a whole podcast on that with the fan expert maybe we should do that in the future but uh yeah that's all for now about um the oxbook match and uh as i've said dortmund will play against Cologne next and for that uh, we will take a quick break and when we come back we'll have our own very expert to discuss that game. joined by Arne Steinberg from the excellent website fc.com that uh, closely covers Erste FC Köln and uh, fan political issues. Arne, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to meet you everybody. It's uh, very nice to have you on here and uh, my wife asked that I or, or commanded that I ask uh, the, the most pressing question right at the outset. Uh, what happened to Hennes the Eighth, and uh, who is Hennes the Ninth? <laughs> big, big <laughs> and important question, I understand. Um, well, Hennes the uh, Eighth, he got ill. I think he got a got a problem with, with his age, I guess. Um, I'm not the expert on, on animal uh, health, but I think it's the better way to replace him with another goat, and now we've got uh, the next one who uh, is going to have his first appearance in the stadium on Friday. So it's going to be a big night for him as well. Uh, and I hope <laughs> that he will be um, as good as the gold we had before because uh, Hennes uh, the Eighth was, uh, was uh, the gold that traveled to Europe and made us all dream. So that was cool. Yes. Uh, how, how do you like Hennes the Ninth so far? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you can ask me again after the se uh, after the season. I guess that's uh, not the not the best moment to ask me that after the first defeat. So um, we'll see. 
Yeah, so next question. I almost feel a bit too awkward to ask about that, but uh, <laughs> the Cologne fans had a very interesting chance uh, last weekend about Jörg Schmatke calling him a fraud and how he's screwing Peter Sugar's wife, taking three million and then leaving. Uh, what's up with that? Um, so this rumor about uh, Jörg Schmatke having a relationship with uh, Peter Stöger's wife um, has been around for quite some time in Cologne, although it has never been confirmed, um, and I don't think that there's <laughs> anything to it. But it it kind of sticks, and um, yeah, I think people got very angry with uh, uh, Schmatke because of the way he left the club and the, he well um, took the three millions, uh, which is a lot of money, and this is why people are still angry and they yeah uh, created this um, this chant which. Uh, made him speak about that in uh, the Doppelpass in a German football uh, show so i think it's it's kind of funny and then he uh, and then he <laughs> said that he wanted not wanted to be a member of the club anymore and i think okay just deal with it man i think you you did a good work you did a good job but you screwed up as well so um yeah just deal with it but the problem i have is that every time um like a friendship between men Stöger and Schmatke, every time that goes wrong, it has to be about a woman. And that's not true. I mean, shit can go wrong in any possible way. So, uh, yeah, it was funny, but you have to also have to see the background a little bit. And um, I think we should all get on, move on to something else now. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree. Um, but yeah, Jörg Schmatke was the sporting director who basically built the success and uh, took Hennessy the eighth to Europe, <laughs> as you so neatly put it. Um so, first question, then first real question. Um, can you describe for us Achim Bayerlotz a little bit? Um, he is now the new um, Cologne coach. Um, Markus Anfang, for some reason, didn't work out for Cologne. I'm not entirely sure why, but um, I actually didn't know much about Achim Bayerlotz before. So, um, what's he like? Well, Achim Bayerlotza is a graduate of the um, Red Bull Leipzig football school, if you can put it that way. So everything he tries to do with all his teams that he coaches uh, is basically to try um, to play gegenpressing, to have a lot of intensity in the games and to um, win the ball high up the field and then um, yeah, quickly try to, to score or to, to have a shot at the goal. So um, this is basically his philosophy. Um He was a former teacher and um, I think that's um, very positive about him because you can see that he puts a lot of emphasis on uh, on communication and how to how to embody positivity and to to be positive all the time and I think he does that really well um, so that's quite a change uh, in comparison to the coach or the manager we had before because Marcus Anfang although I'm still convinced that his football idea could have worked out I think he was not done or he was not prepared enough for um, the city of Cologne and all the um, all the challenges you have to face if you're the manager of a club of this size uh, when it comes to media communication uh, so I think Achim Bayolotza he well for the moment he deals with that really really well but we have to see how it goes when uh, September comes and Cologne are in a more difficult position in, in the league table so um For the moment, I'm, I'm I'm happy about the choice. I think it was the best choice Cologne could have done. But um, as always, you have to wait and see until you go, uh, until you see how how good the football is and how many points Cologne can get. Yeah, in case it is, 
in case it escapes our international audience a little bit, uh, Cologne are actually a massive club where always, you know, there's always some drama going on, um, you know, <laughs> as I refer to the chain, but some, something's always up there, uh, never really stays quiet for a long time in Cologne. It's similar to Schalke, but not as gruesome. Um, so, yeah, Konstantin, do you have anything to add on, on Achim Bayerlotzer, uh, if he's from the uh, Red Bull school? I, I'm, I'm sure you know a couple of details about him as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know if he's from the uh, Red Bull school, actually. They signed him up because he was fitting what they were looking for, but more in terms of uh, youth development, that he slipped into um, being interim coach for a couple of matches uh, back uh, in, when was it, 2015 or so, um, was somewhat of a coincidence i guess i mean you have to have to remember that Arin biolots are a couple of years ago he didn't want to actually be a professional coach he just wanted to be a sports teacher actually uh but because of his relationship with court of um because he had made some um, appearances there at the youth academy and, and giving talks uh they signed him up um and he went from there over to um RB Leipzig and you know smelled blood once he became interim coach um what I'm what I find interesting about him is that when he signed for uh, Cologne back in May um he appeared to be quite confident in, in his let's say abilities to really handle a club like Cologne with all the media and all the controversy that usually emerges here and there even in <laughs> times of you know success still that cologne is never you know it's never calm to 100 percent. there's always something going on or usually i mean there were a few years i mean the the, the best P peter stöger days i think uh where the club really it was calm and collected but you know that took it didn't it didn't take so long and a situation changed again um and Biolots basically said that he is up to par and uh he, he can handle a club like that and also that he is more about i mean of course he's all about tactics obviously but he's more about man management and locker room management and how to handle players and how to motivate them and how to make them um you know playing in an intense style so he um as as on already mentioned he's you know a teacher by by training and and i think that comes through a lot and he's someone who comes you know comes through these these teacher skills um and that's what what's more or what what makes him not special but what you know makes him distinct i guess uh compared to other coaches but this is not someone that the cologne didn't sign someone who's like quite famous for a certain kind of tactical approach or something like that um and as we've seen in the um in, in cologne's first match at wolfsburg i mean it was you know pressing long ball strategy one-on-one -on -one. i mean playing Trexler as a number 10 says a lot and i think also i mean it worked to some extent at least um, maybe there will be some changes for Dortmund match, but I think we will talk about it right now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, correct. Uh, Anna, if you look at uh, the uh, past season in the second Bundesliga, um, I think you've been asked on Rasenfunk to basically compare the changes between when Cologne was relegated and, and what changed now, but uh, what did change between uh, the second Bundesliga campaign and, and now the Bundesliga campaign, if, if anything, so far for you? From a tactical perspective or in general? 
In general, I mean, are there big new additions? I mean, we can mm. talk about Anthony Modest, for example, but uh, <laughs> just introduce the club to the people who may may not know it so well. Well, the thing is, if you play in second Bundesliga uh, in most of the games, it's enough to have a lot of individual quality in your squad and then you can win the games. And this is uh, what happened to Cologne, basically, because they had a lot of money to spend and this uh, this is why they could keep a lot of talented players um, at the club even though they had to go down to second division and um, this did not necessarily mean that they were playing f very good football but they won their they won their games and they got promoted again and then um, Marcus Anfang had to leave uh, a couple of weeks before the season ended and um, then Achim Bayerlotzer was introduced and um, right from the out outset it became clear that he wanted to play a um yes yeah, style that did not necessarily suit the um squad so um there had to be some additions um uh, who had to come in and now with the uh, 442 he's trying to play um it's important to have a good right back and um this is what Cologne did they signed um Kingsley Ezibue from um Pekzwolle, I guess, from the Netherlands, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So uh, not a very famous player, but a very talented player, a young player who brings a lot of uh, a lot of speed, a lot of um, enthusiasm as well into the game, and um, I like him. He's a good he's a good player. He's exactly the player that was needed uh, for for this position. And then they signed um, two defensive midfielders, um, Burger Verstrate from uh, Ghent from Belgium as well and um, El, uh, Elias Skiri from Montpellier in France who was basically for me one of the most underrated um, defensive midfielders in the Ligue 1 so um, I was kind of surprised that Cologne was able to sign him because he was playing with um, the Tunisian national team in the African Cup of Nations and he was one of the best mid defensive midfielders he's uh, for me he's like Busquets in a little bit um, it's like <laughs> it's a, it's an it's exa uh, I exaggerate but I think it's the player you can compare him to because um, he's very strong to control um, the area and to, to protect the um, to protect the last line so um, I think two very good signings um, there and they brought in Kingsley Schindler from Kiel um, a player who can attack uh, down the right wing so he's a good player too And uh, yeah, in, in attack, as you mentioned already, there's Anthony Modest, Simon Terode, John Cordoba. So there you have uh, three players who can score goals. And then, yeah, Achim Bayerlotze has to, has to manage uh, this situation now to make the players fit his idea of football. Yeah, I think uh, that that's a very formidable squad. And uh, if I would uh, predict now, I don't think Cologne will be that relegation threatened if, if things are going well. Um, how well do you think that they play against Wolfsburg? Um, that was a 2-1 loss. Was it a close game or do you think it was, uh, you know, an unfortunate loss? Well, both actually. I think it was a typical first game of the season. Um, Wolfsburg having a new coach as well, so they did not really uh, know how good they are. And for Cologne, it was, uh, was the same. I think the result is bad, obviously, because Cologne lost, but the performance was okay. Um, it was a little bit unfortunate because Cologne, um, well, 
uh, after 15 minutes, Maxi Arnold scored a brilliant goal for Wolfsburg to to um, to get them the lead. And then Cologne uh, did not get a penalty, although for me it was a clear penalty and the referee's de decision was not really um, yeah understandable. So um, yeah, that was a little bit unfortunate. Second half then was calmer. I think Cologne did not really have a lot of uh, goal-scoring opportunities and then Wolfs Wolfsburg scored the second goal um and everything cologne was able to do was uh, score a goal in uh, injury time so um the performance was okay it was good to see the approach of biolots are working out against a good team uh, like like wolfsburg but um yeah there's a lot of a lot of um stuff still to do until uh, cologne can win games in the bundesliga and every time they have to go, have to be at their maximum and um, yeah, this is going to be difficult against Dortmund. Uh, but I think these two teams are not the teams that Cologne has to compare themselves to. I think there are teams like Augsburg, Paderborn, Union Berlin, um, and maybe a couple of others that are in the same uh, on the same level as Cologne. Yeah, maybe put in Mainz, Düsseldorf, maybe Freiburg. That's maybe the uh, the, the clubs Cologne can easily compete with um i would say at least Ma matthias um i on the other hand would say it's also not a very easy game for dortmund if we think back to the second match day last season i don't know it's uh, it's probably not that comparable but dortmund also dropped points uh, scoreless draw against hanover friday night game um and cologne is a very special place to go um how do you see Dortmund setting up for this one? Um, do you think it's uh, going to be the same lineup minus uh, Birki replacing Marvin Hitz? Or how do you see Dortmund and Lucien Favre approach this one? I don't think uh, Favre is going to change anything in the side aside from, like you said, um, Birki in for Hitz. I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult. I think uh, Köln are going to make it very uncomfortable. Uh, like you said, also the, the atmosphere is always fantastic. Um that that all being said uh given where Köln are in their development under a new manager versus where Dortmund are under the development of a manager that's been there for a season and kept the core of the squad around uh i think um it'll be it's not going to be easy it's going to be difficult it's going to be uncomfortable but at the end of the day i think Dortmund's quality will shine through because the majority of the players know what's expected of them Whereas, uh, as was just stated, you know, Cohen is still finding its way, uh, under the new manager and with, uh, a number of new players. So I think those, that kind of combines to, to give Dortmund the edge, uh, overall, in my opinion. Yeah. Constantine, what, what, uh, do Dortmund have to look for in this game? What's, uh, where, where do you think they can hurt Cologne? Same question maybe to you, Anna, as well. <laughs> Uh, they, I mean, Cologne's biggest weakness, I guess, is uh, when they when they are forced to play for out of the from the back through the middle. Um, I guess uh, I'm, there might might be one um, change. Uh, there might be one change expected, uh, meaning that maybe Höger gets dropped and uh, Skiri comes in in center midfield, or maybe Trexler gets dropped and. Uh, uh, Bayer also goes with uh, three center midfielders, uh, but still, I, f I don't think. I mean, even Verstrate didn't look too comfortable when he was pressured uh, in the in the middle uh, when Cologne pl played from the back. Um, and I think that's that's something Dortmund has to just you know um, benefit from. 
um, going intense, uh, also pushing forward with uh, Witzel and Weigel, or if at least one of them, um, putting additional pressure on them, or, or you know, um, using one of the wingers uh, inside. Um, that's that's basically what you have to do, and then force these these turnovers. Um, that's one thing, and another another thing is, I mean. We have to, we have to wait how really uh, how, how Cologne will apply uh, if if Cologne will apply a high press as they did against uh, Wolfsburg because it's quite risky to do to, to do it the way they do um, because um, they use both wingers um, really high up and also only one player behind um, so there's there's space you can usually use if you play it very very fast very precise through the middle you know. Uh, quick, precise ground passes can really break their fir- the first line of Cologne. Um, I don't know if Bialotto will do that. I mean, there's, there are a lot of ifs and, you know, if and whens, um, because maybe he changes a lot uh, for, for this match, which is something I would almost expect from Bialotto because he's that kind of a coach. Um, who gets, you know, who, who is much more, um, hesitant when going up against a team like Dortmund. So maybe we'll see something completely different. Um, and also there will be, I guess, a couple of changes in terms of personnel. I mean, Louis Schaub is probably back. So Kingsley Schindler, Schindler's maybe out. Um, maybe Charlie Noff will play on the left side instead of Kainz. You know, maybe Trexler gets dropped. As I mentioned, maybe Modest gets dropped and, uh, because Cordoba is back. Um, so who knows how, uh, how really, um, Cologne will look. Um, in well, terms maybe Anna knows. <laughs> I don't think so. It's only speculation. It's yeah, I don't know either. But I appreciate you being uh, this humble all the time because if Dortmund is playing Cologne, everything that I expect is a win of Dortmund, a comfortable win because um, they're one of the strongest team in the Bundesliga, maybe if not the strongest. And uh, if they go to a team that just got promoted, everything they have to do is like be at maybe 80 or 90 percent of their uh, performance level and they will win because uh, as i said cologne is still in a phase of of transition a phase of development and um, there are a lot of good things already that you can see and that maybe can work out in the future but right now to face dortmund in the second game of the season is like the hardest challenge uh, for the team so everything else but a uh, but a defeat would be a surprise but i think for the team it's good uh, so they can really compete with a very strong team right at the beginning so they can see where the um, deficits are so um, yeah I don't know how Bialotza will deal with that I think um, Cordoba is definitely going to be back in the squad Um, Schaub is still injured so he hasn't trained today so um, maybe we'll not see him on Friday Um, about the two players playing on the wing I think Schindler might getting dropped and um skiri is certainly to uh, certainly featuring in, in the squad on friday so he's going to be the second um, defensive midfielder um, next to festrate so i think um yeah Bayalotza should go with a more defensive approach because if not it's going to be hard <laughs> uh not to say impossible to uh yeah maybe get a point or more which is not going to happen yeah, though I I would like to add that since um, I I think between now and basically Svonomir Soldo, Dortmund had probably one very comfortable win away to Cologne, where Shinji Kagawa scored an absolute worldie, and otherwise uh, there were either stoppage time wins or or losses or draws or whatever. Um, so I don't have the best memories for Dortmund going to Cologne minus uh. 
that one season. So um, yeah, I I wouldn't be too negative about it. Maybe it's just the the matchup that that makes it tough for Dortmund. Um, Matthias, I've got one question though, um, and that's uh, concerning Dortmund's right back position. Um, do you think that it would be wise to drop Pischek for Hakimi in this game? Uh, I mean, it's hard to not do that. I mean, in my opinion, uh, Pischek. He didn't, he, he didn't look good at all in the Super Cup. He was exposed a couple times, um, against, uh, Augsburg, who, I mean, granted, they, they targeted Dortmund's right side, their left side, but that's also because that's the strongest side of Augsburg. I think you saw that just when Sancho would swap to the left. All of a sudden he had, all the time in the world because there was no Philip Max there. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't honestly know enough about the, the wing strength of Cohn to, to make a proper estimation if they'd put a lot of pressure on Pischek, but it's definitely something that I would consider. That being said, I'd be surprised if Favre drops Pischek. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I think it's possible, but I also think that that Favre would stick to to the team that beat Augsburg for for now. But who knows? I I think um, you know, since it's more speculation than the knowledge at this point of the season, we we should uh, just go ahead to the predictions. And uh, Anna, because you're the guest, you uh, can go first and predict the scoreline of Friday's game. After everything I've said, uh, comfortable Cologne win, two nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, Konstantin. Uh, I go with three-one uh, Dortmund win. Matthias, I'm going to go with a two-one Dortmund win, and it's going to be rather late, and it's going to be Paco. All right, I and and since uh, I feel it's going to be a dramatic win yet again for Dortmund, I I'm going to predict a three-two win for Dortmund. And uh, yeah, that's it for this week from all of us at the Yellow Wall Pod. Um, Anna, can you please be so kind and tell our listeners how to get in touch with you on Twitter? Uh, on Twitter, you can find me under uh, Steinberg underscore Anna. Yeah, you have uh, changed your very beautiful Twitter handle, I see. <laughs> yeah, I had to. It used to be at Anna Puyol. <laughs> yes, I had to. But uh, once you grow up, you have to face uh, professional challenges as well. And changing a Twitter account is one of them. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean there. Um, Anyway, thank you a lot for coming on and uh, lending us some insight into SFC Köln and what the deal was with Hennes. Um, that is very much appreciated. Also, thank you again to you, Konstantin. How can people follow you? On Twitter, CCR score mm -hmm. ECKNER. Matthias? Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Matthiasuk. Very well. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with all of us, please find our Facebook and Twitter handle at YellowWallPod. And uh, you can also contact us via the contact form on theyellowwall.net and if you want to become a patron or a subscriber go to patreon.com slash theyellowwall or just directly to the yellow wall and find everything else there if you want to subscribe to the podcast please try soundcloud itunes stitcher and so on and all the other rss feeds which you also can find on the website and as always thank you for listening until next time